got rid of the gum. Just you got rid just of while the, I'm talking. Just while you're talking. Evan, welcome to the Right Balance Podcast. I'm happy you made it. You are LA in a minute. How do you introduce yourself to people in, uh, in the world of today of social media? What a funny question. Um, I definitely... I'm a personal and casual guy, so I, I like to go by Evan. I understand in this day and age, your quote unquote brand is important. I am proud of what I've been able to create up to this point. So if somebody is familiar, you know, I'd, I'll acknowledge the LA in a minute, but I would never actually introduce myself as, as LA in a minute. Yeah. LA so, minute. so I'm Evan. Although look, if I'm joking with some friends or something, you know, it might, yeah. it might go that way, but this you know. is LA in a minute. Yeah. Uh, the people that do know LA in a minute, how do you describe uh, what you do on LA in a minute? To the people that do or don't? They know. don't. Let's just say they don't. Let's say we're at a mixer and I'm like, hey, what's up, Evan? What do you do? LA in a minute. What's you, LA in a minute? You know, it's funny. It's more I, like three, four minutes. I like, <laughs> and it is, by the way, just yeah. for the record. I love uh, it. People are always like, oh, and he, he describes all this stuff in less than a minute. It's usually about three minutes. Yeah. So, so let's just get that straight. I use the colloquial a minute, like when you're getting off the freeway and you're like, I'll be there in a minute, which really means like five minutes. That's hilarious. Um, I love that. But how do I explain LA in a minute? I say that it's like, a fun educational look at some serious and quirky issues in Los Angeles. I mean, I talk about um, food places. I talk about the different municipalities. I talk about uh, irreverent stuff like the squirrels or the palm trees. Um, but basically anything that intrigues me about the city, I'm an eternally curious guy. So I'm always wondering where everything came from, what it means. And I guess you could say I'm LA centric, probably self centric, really, at the end of the day. <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm LA centric. So I'm always like, how does this apply to Los Angeles? And that's, I just look into it and try to describe it and then hopefully make it entertaining and informative. Now, now, like you said, you, you do a lot of LA things, landmarks, uh, restaurants, but then you do like random stuff. Like, for example, the, the whole story I didn't know about uh, Zanku Chicken yeah. and the family. Like, like, how did you find out about that? Did you hear about that, researched it, and then talked about it? And, okay. and briefly talk about what happened so people understand. Okay, so first and foremost, as long as I can remember, I've been an L.A. nerd, if you will. My parents were very um, proud of being from Los Angeles. My dad, every New Year's Day, I'll never forget it, would have a bottle of cheap champagne and would be wearing shorts and we'd be watching the Rose Bowl. And he'd be like... Happy New Year to the rest of the country who's freezing their ass off while we're out here in the beautiful sunshine with the Rose Bowl down the street, glug, 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 you know, so, so I kind of learned to like love Los Angeles. And since then, everything related to LA has just caught my attention. Um, I was fairly studious growing up, so I always paid attention and sort of remembered little tidbits and factoids. Um, for instance, I'm a big sports guy. So I try to sort of track the athletes that came out of L.A. high schools. And, and that was something like my friends, you know, I'd, I'd be like, oh, he went to Granite Hills High School or like, oh, from Locke High School. And just be like, OK, we get it. Like he's from L.A. Who cares? But yeah, it's I care. always important to me. So any L.A. stories along the way were always intriguing. Um, and I tried to remember them. And then as far as Anku Chicken, that one's interesting because that place is incredible. Um, I agree. And I always wondered, I'm like, why would a place like this, they have six, seven locations, at least at the time. I think they're actually starting an aggressive expansion as of now. But 
I always felt that that could be a national, if not international chain. What happened somewhere along the, along the way, I heard about the story where there was strife within the family. It broke into two distinct um, lineages, if you will. One part of the family owned these restaurants. The other part of the family owned these restaurants. And then one day, the um, son of the matriarch of the family who was running the company, he had a terminal cancer and um, things were going a little haywire. There was, like I said, the strife between the two uh, branches of the family and there was a murder-suicide that completely halted the the growth of the chain, not to mention, you know, set everything in disarray for the uh, for Zanku. Um, but it's an interesting story because it's L.A. and it's a brand that should have been and probably will be now that they're expanding again, um, a very notable national brand. And all those things are just really, you know, I'm curious what happened. I want to know the story. And I feel like people love Los Angeles. I've seen since I started this feed, there's a huge pride uh, in the city. And I know every city, people are proud of where they're from. There's nothing wrong with that. But Los Angeles, even though we're a prominent city, I feel that in the last few decades, there's been a kind of underdog sort of mentality. And it sounds weird because you're like, you're Los Angeles. What do you mean underdog? But it's like San Francisco people are very condescending. New York, especially the New York Times are very condescending. So LA, we, we're not out there to prove ourselves per se because we have Hollywood and people do love Los Angeles. But there's a special kind of love where it's like people say, we have no history, we have no culture. Um, well, that's BS, you know, and, and people love to hear the stories where, you know, something built from nothing, usually from immigrants, which is, in my opinion, one of the things that Los Angeles should be the most proud of is of all the diversity, all the cities in the world. And there are some very diverse cities. I don't think, and I don't want to sound naive, but I feel that Los Angeles has done the best job of integrating everybody and again, there's racism everywhere. There's people that treat each other like crap everywhere. But Los Angeles, wherever you are, you're in Studio City, you're in Boyle Heights, you're in Pacific Palisades, you're in East LA, wherever you are, you look around. Yeah, black people, white people, Jewish people, Middle Eastern people, Asian people. I mean, you name it. And that's something that I love about LA. And I think people are proud of that. And most of these stories come from somebody who immigrated from somewhere else. And it's like that what that's what really makes Los Angeles and that's the American dream personified. So I think that no, there's it's, that it's, huge it's, pride in what makes it really interesting. It's beautiful in that, in that concept. And what also I like about LA or California is that LA is a pretty new city, you know, like it, it, it's a new, when you look at the history of like New York or any, forget any country, let alone around the world, LA is fucking new. And for the accomplishments, the accomplishments that it's done, it's it's done a great job on on like you said immigration opportunity the dream gold history uh, like so many things have come out of here. That's an awesome point and one of my favorite elements of Los Angeles. And I think that's where that there's no history no culture trope came from. Simply by doing the math, you're like, what do you mean you have history? Your city's only a hundred plus years old. And you know, I remember I've 
I went to China, my high school sweetheart uh, studied out there, and you're walking around things that are 5,000, 10,000 years old, where meanwhile here in LA, if a restaurant's 50 years old, you're like, oh my gosh, that's yeah. amazing. Like 50 Norms. Yeah. <laughs> yes. My mother used to come here. Yeah. Literally, but yeah. that's, that's what makes it so awesome, um, and it's done it so fast. Like you brought up the point um, that within the last, it's essentially been like 150. 50 years since LA has really started developing. But truthfully, it's like a hundred years that we've been able to accomplish that. And that's a testament again, to me, it's always about the people you draw a wide swath of people from around the world that have these different ideas and different experiences. And you put them all in this area with the great weather. It's true. Um, in this great climate, and just atmosphere of the beaches and the mountains. It, it and the is. Deserts. There, there's something about that, that when you walk outside, we all get moody. We're all in bad moods. But you walk, you walk outside in December, January. It doesn't matter. Pick a month. And you're like, God, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Like, how many times are you like, this is a beautiful day? I'll never forget. I go to New York for a trade show like a couple <laughs> years ago. Yeah. And I was there in the middle of the summer. New York's terrible in the summer. And it was just a beautiful day. My buddy was like, I was meeting with a friend. I was there for a trade show, but I was there with a friend. And he says, uh, man, he's like, you got to ditch the trade show today. He's like, we only have 10 days a year that are like this. He's like, let's take advantage. Wow. And you know, being here in LA, you're spoiled. You have 300 plus days like that. And that's a large element of A, you don't have the pressure to accomplish things. And that's where you get what I kind of call the big Lebowski complex, where you can be this sort of bummy type person and live totally comfortably but you also don't need to be pushed and there is there is an element of look you need to be motivated you need that intensity to succeed but it also the lack of pressure allows you to have that freedom to think freedom to create and freedom to be what you want to be because yeah. everybody's just out there enjoying the weather, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> enjoying the well, nice it, day. Well, it's, yeah. it's, it's, I, I think it's more, it's the same thing what you're saying, but I kind of look at it as the opposite, you know, half cup full or half cup empty. Yeah. It's not, let's maximize these 10 days that we have in New York with perfect weather. Yeah. It's, fuck man, two, we have 345 days of fucking shit, and now I regret <laughs> not enjoying those 10 days, so now I'm going to kick myself in the ass every single fucking day. And as the winter comes closer, I'm going to hate it more and more. It's such a good more. point. I think I have like, oh, oh, I had one of these scary, and more, I'm trapped. <laughs> you know, like one of those fucking things. Yes. But um, no, no, I, I love LA. Um, the other thing is that, that I was just, that I recently learned is that this is how new LA is. It was actually built around the car, yeah. right? That's why that's why everything's yeah. so fucking far, and that's why our public transportation, right? What's that's one of my favorite elements. It's so frustrating because we all spend so much time in traffic. Before pandemic, we used to spend 119 hours. Every person would spend 119 hours per year in traffic. That was the average. Since pandemic's dropped down to like 65, which is still a lot when you think about it, but not as bad. Although if you're driving around, traffic's been terrible again. But it's exactly as you said, this city didn't develop until the car was already, um, well, okay, that's, that's sort of true, but the city didn't really develop as it is currently until car culture took over, right? And it's funny because when I started making the videos, it would be, um, you know, the history of Taco Bell or the history of In-N-Out or the history of Tommy's and everybody would say, wow, I didn't know all these, you know, restaurants or all these fast food places came from L.A., 
Well, it's because we were the first city. We had the first freeway. The 110 was the first freeway in the United States. And was we, it? We I based, did not know that. Yeah, and we like invented freeway and car culture. But in and out Harry Snyder, who, who founded in and out with his wife, Esther, he was one of the first... He actually was the first one to have a drive-through because he realized people are going to want to eat in their cars because In and Out was the first drive-through. Yeah, he invented the speaker box in his garage, so he had opened In and Out, and he was a tinkerer, and he was like, "I see this car culture. I see these freeways. Um, people are going to want to eat in their car." And before then, it was like kind of a silly idea. There was car hops, and by the way, Bob's Big Boy is the oldest uh, fast food chain in Los Angeles, and they were famous for their car hop service. People would eat in their cars, but differently because you'd eat in the parking lot in your car and you'd chill because there were a lot of like young, fun people around. You're trying to like hit on girls, hit on guys, whatever it is. It was a place to be. Yeah, it was a place to be. But he was like, no, people are going to take their food and drive around and explore. Yeah. Because prior to that, if you're on a train or any kind of boat or whatever mass, mass transit, you're going somewhere. You're going to your destination, but the car gives you that freedom and it gives you that autonomy. And I can go here, I can go there. I can say I'm going here and then I change my mind and go somewhere else. Well, guess what? Now I have my in and out double-double with me so I can go wherever I want and I'm full and I'm a drink and my shake. Um, so the, the city developed around car culture and that's why um, you know, a lot of fast food places are here, but that's exactly why the city's so large geographically and it doesn't make sense to a lot of outsiders. And and why but, public transportation seems to suck, man. No? Okay, so public... Like, like, that's the only justification. That's actually how I stumbled upon finding out the fact that LA, LA city blocks were built around streets so cars can accommodate or cars can drive through it. And this is why it's that, it's that spread. But at the same time, I also understand... If you look at Chandler Street, you know, that yes, used to be a train track. Like when yes. I grew up, I went to Walter Reed and uh, Burbank Elementary. Nice. When, when I grew up in that neighborhood, we had a train going through there. Now they pulled off train tracks. Wait, so that train was actually active when you were growing up? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. So, and, and, the one in, and then there was another one in Eagle Rock. There so, was the train tracks in Eagle Rock, too. So I recently did an episode as my first two-part series, if you will. On you just made me feel old as fuck. Fuck, man. He's like, that worked. <laughs> well, I don't, because I'm from the Valley, right? Yeah. I was born and raised in what was called Sepulveda. It's now known as North Hills, which is the geographic center of the San Fernando Valley. Um, and there were, okay, I was going to say there were no trains, but there were trains driving through, but no trains from transportation, from a, a, a normal human transportation perspective. But yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't remember what they were moving, but I remember I would see a train every now and then on the Chandler one. Then they pulled them out. And then there was nothing going on, and then they put buses. Yeah. Which I'm like, why the fuck would you put buses? And the bus system's tough. And now the bus system's on Chandler, and I'm thinking, okay, this is back to the stories that I heard before, that, you know, Firestone was the one influencing okay. selling more something. So, so check this out. So the, the two-episode uh, two piece about the railways is, believe it or not, Los Angeles was the mass transit leader of the world until... Some say the 1920s. I saw 1914 in my research. But the amount of rail lines and rail cars and the miles of tracks in Los Angeles outstripped London, New York, you name the metropolis. Los Angeles was a train town and was a mass transit town. Especially down through uh, downtown LA, right? Everywhere, downtown. <clears throat> Doesn't the Perch have like access to an old... Not Perch, but across the street, there's one of the buildings that has an entrance to an old train but it's not working there's the underground like subway and stuff or the underground 
rail tunnels and stuff like that. And Angel's Flight still exists. But Los Angeles has built, some say, on um, mirages, let's call it, where if you build it, they will come, to, to use a, a phrase from Field of Dreams. But real estate development was built. You would build a track and then build the community. You build a track with the promise, with the mirage of this is going to be a new suburb. This is going to be a new city. So Henry Huntington at the turn of the century for the first couple decades would just build all these tracks, build all these rail lines. And that's how a lot of these communities developed everything from like Glendora. <clears throat> sorry about that. Okay. From like Glendora um, down South. There, there's just a lot of communities that developed based on the rail lines and then what happened people call it a conspiracy and people like to refer to roger rabbit which sort of facilitated uh the idea that it was a conspiracy but yes goodyear firestone many conglomerates that did have something to do with the cars uh emergence were they formed a company that would buy these rail lines. These rail lines did eventually end up going out of business. And it turns out that the streets, like you said, even though they were built for railways, happened to be the perfect conduit for cars and transportation. So they were initially built. Now, of course, they're built for suburbs and cars, but they were initially built for railways. However, it's not a conspiracy in my mind because, I, as I sort of alluded to earlier, I feel that people want to drive. If you give me the choice, I do like driving. I mean, I do like being in a train. It's a neat experience. But honestly, one-to-one, -one, I would rather drive because but I have the autonomy. that's kind of changing now, no? <clears throat> don't you think the younger generation is like, Uber. It's I'll fucking Well, Uber's still a car, don't forget. And uh, you can change your right. mind on Uber when right. a train. It's, it's still the, the, the comfort and the convenience of a vehicle. Correct, you know? right. correct. And trains are cool and they're more environmentally friendly. I get all that. But there's just something about the spontaneity of being able to say, I'm going to go to In-N-Out and get a double. Let's just pull off the freeway. Just all of a sudden, you know. You oh, go. driving's the shit. Yeah, I, I, I believe I believe it's amazing. And, and, and I think, again, car culture, there's so many things. Like you've also touched bases on. Low riders, uh, oh, yeah. fucking classic cars. Uh, the, the big, you know, what big boy does. Big boy does that every Friday. Yes, you yes. Know, what, what they do every Friday. You know, the car culture here is amazing, and 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 the, the people here, we love cars. Yeah, but I I think there is a generation that's kind of like, mm, you know, like, like I don't want to drive. <sighs> it's smart. Like it, for for us, you gotta understand this. There was a time when we were, you know, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. The dream was to get a driver's license. That represented freedom you know if you didn't have a car like i was talking to somebody about this recently i remember going to parties at like 15 16 years old if the person that was driving was having fun you weren't leaving and sometimes you were just so dead you're like dude oh, i want to fucking go home oh Please. man like, that's <laughs> a good point do you remember those that, times yes now stoked some memories oh man like you, you like i think there's a comedian i forgot who it was but it felt like you were stuck at a party for three days. And you're like, dude, <laughs> take me home. Man, yeah. this brings back personal memories in the sense because I like going out and having some fun, but I'm a I'm an active <laughs> kind of guy. So yeah. I usually have a little internal clock where I'm I'm ready to go. But exactly yeah. like you said, if the person who has the keys doesn't want to go, you're you're yeah. you better find something. He's hooking to do. up with one of the girls, you're yeah. like, Oh, dude, where the fuck is Frank? You know, like, yeah. you know, so but but LA's car culture overall in general is fucking insane. Awesome. Awesome.
Absolutely. What other fun facts have you really learned? Like what, what you've done so many, what's like your top, what's your top two, top three of like, you had no fucking idea. Like Mm -hmm. somebody took me, I did a, a motorcycle training course called rawhide. Uh, in Santa Clarita and then they took us for some off-roading training and they took us to where I think uh, the Mulholland Dam had broken yeah broken St. Francis Saint, right Saint, I yeah. think St. Francis yeah like to me when I saw that I was like yo and then we we rode through it I was like whoa and correct me and that's an episode in the future but correct me if I'm on the ruins are still there right yes you can still, that's incredible yes. I kind of can't wait to do that story yeah, so, the, so you go up I forgot what freeway is but there's like a little bridge that's kind of broken down and you can go over it walking bike motorcycle whatever you want you walk you hike it and when you go through it you walk and it's just you see you see let, let me tell you this I haven't done the full research on that yet but I do know this so William Mulholland is the reason why Los Angeles exists because he had the vision to some say steal, but um, bring the water from the Owens Valley and build this 240 plus mile aqueduct that miraculously using gravity uh, takes the water from Northern California and deposits in, in Los Angeles. And he would be um, the, the retroactive King of Los Angeles. If it weren't for the St. Francis dam nightmare, because what ended up happening is he, there was a reservoir, you know, we always need more water as LA continues to grow. And the St. Francis Dam was going to provide more and more water because we keep needing more and more sources even back then. And he had inspected it and he looked at it with his eyes and he said, no, those cracks, because dams do get natural cracks and everything. He said, nope, that's all normal. It's normal. With his eyes, signed off on it. And then that night there, the dam broke and it was the biggest flood and biggest natural disaster in Los Angeles history, he was forced to retire uh, in ignominy. And, um, you know, even though there's still Mulholland, which is one of the great roadways in Los Angeles, one of the great places to drive <clears throat> in Los Angeles, um, he would be feted. He would have a statue. He would he would be on our Los Angeles Rush, uh, Mount Rushmore if it weren't for that. So, um, but it's an amazing story. But to answer your question, oh, man. <sighs> I don't have favorite episodes. I not favorite, but like the most surprising fact that you were just like, "Yo, this is." I'm gonna tell you. Th- I would I'll, never. I'll answer your question, but I want. I want to give a shout out first. I don't know if you guys remember Pioneer Chicken. I grew up. My dad used to take me to Pioneer Chicken, and there were 300 plus Pioneer Chickens. It was bigger than KFC in uh, Los Angeles and California, and they had this orange. Chi- it was orange fried chicken and it was the crispiest crunchiest and most delicious fried chicken around and it was expanding and it was everywhere and then all of a sudden they were gone and i had found out a couple years ago that there's still two left and i was like why why just two i mean this place was it was booming it was expanding all this kind of stuff so i went to one there's one i want to say in bell gardens and one in boyle heights um and i went it looked the exact same as if I just stepped back into the 80s. The chicken was exactly the same. The crunch was amazing. Um, but I had to look into that story because what happened to Pioneer Chicken, it turns out that the founder slash owner, um, during his expansion, he looked to buy a city called Blue Jay, which was near Lake Arrowhead, an entire city. And the residents weren't too happy because you don't want some guy, random guy buying your city. Yeah. He did it anyway. He was going to turn into a big resort town to compete with Arrowhead and Big Bear. In the meantime, he 
did some insidious things uh, with his taxes, got cut up, and the FBI and the IRS cracked down on him. They did a raid on all the pioneers. And wow. basically within like a three-year span, he went from an expanding, growing chain to basically shutting down all the pioneers. And they ended up selling to Popeyes in the early 90s. And somehow these two remain, and they're exactly the same. And that's something that for me, I have a, a pretty acute memory of because it's something with my dad and my family. So I was like, Proud to see you, that. You grew, and, up, you grew up with that, yeah. And the people that are running the Pioneers are like, yo, we got to build this thing back up. So that's like cool to see because they had nothing to do with the original Pioneer, but they stay true to the recipe, true to the brand, and they have the vision for the future, which I thought was cool. But That's as, very cool, yeah. But as far as like favorite episodes, this is a cheese ball answer, but it's the truth. It's whatever I'm working on at the time because, again, I try to be relentless in my research and – they're always interesting. I don't I don't want to do an episode unless it's interesting to me and I don't want to be obvious. You know, you see, um, again, McDonald's. <clears throat> Perfect example. I'm working on McDonald's right now. And everybody's like, okay, McDonald's came from San Bernardino and some people roll their eyes at McDonald's. Um, and that's fair. I get it. I get it. It's fast food. It's global. It's not even LA anymore. But I'm like, ah, ah, ah. no. People know the Ray Kroc story. People might even know that the McDonald brothers are the ones who started it. But what people don't know is that McDonald started as a place called Air Aerodrome near the Monrovia Airport before it was McDonald's by the McDonald's brothers' dad. And what ended up happening is the McDonald's brothers who sort of like inherited it, they actually moved the building. They moved the entire building, which is cool. It's like this octagonal shaped, almost looks like what you envision a UFO looking like to people in the 1940s. They literally moved the building to San Bernardino. That became the first McDonald's. And it was initially called McDonald's barbecue before it was McDonald's like hamburgers. And again, it's McDonald's, whether or not you love it or hate it or think it's garbage or think it's the best. I love those stories. So it's yeah. always intriguing to me, um, the, the real roots and the tidbits that, you know, that's not in the movie and that's not in most people's story. Even if you go on right. Wikipedia, you, you, it doesn't going a little deeper. Yeah. It doesn't mention I, that. I so. got a question talking about moving, moving buildings in, in Rampart by, by Virgil, there used to be a, a mansion and it, it, it was this random mansion right there. It used to have, three parts to it and one part the rumor was this is back then i don't know how true this was I love rumors this is what i looked into yeah. yeah they said they said that they took uh, one third of it like uh, somebody in europe bought it yes. and they wanted it so they took one third of it and and moved it i don't know how the fuck that works the logistics on it and then there was two parts that was just abandoned there and i remember uh, like homeless people were staying there you know like it was just super abandoned and, uh, you know, a buddy of mine, actually my brother and a buddy of mine, we went in there one oh, night. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, we went to just check it out. It was fucking amazing inside. And then these fucking guys, these homeless people come out of us with guns and stuff. Hey, what the fuck are you guys doing? We're like, oh, we're kids. We're just checking the place out. They're like, oh, come on, check it out. And they, they you know, we were hanging out. My brother was like eating food. They were just like, what the fuck's going on? But that's in that Virgil area. You, you, you don't. Give me an address or, or a general story and I can look into that. Cause they're, and th th so this is the thing for me, right? So I get excited you get a hot be lead and because you're like, uh -huh. there's so many things like this in Los Angeles. It's funny. Sometimes people say, you put out a lot of content, right? I've done 250 stories in eight months, right? And, and that is a lot. But I'm almost compelled. I, 
maybe it's a little bit of my OCD, but I feel there's so much to cover and I always feel like I'm not doing enough to the extent that I want to get to more and cover everything because there's some obvious stuff I haven't covered yet. I haven't done City Hall. I haven't done Alvera Street. Uh, there's 88 municipalities and 120 unincorporated areas in Los Angeles. And eventually I got to cover every single one because they all have awesome stories and you can always- Well, it's unlimited. Fu- it's unlimited. It's unlimited, yeah. What, what, how, how often do you release your, your content? Like, what's the goal? Are you trying to do weekly, bi-weekly, no, monthly? Just, so I, I was recently doing about seven to ten new pieces per week. Wow. Which is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous pace. Um, day. I feel like there's a saturation amount. I mean, knock on wood, people are responsive, but there has to be a saturation amount at some point where people just get tired of seeing my face. They don't. They um, don't. I appreciate No, that. they don't. Like, be, because I, I was just doing a whole thing. Because I was contemplating on doing more yeah. content. And, and, and it's like these algorithms are built around the individual. So you think you're doing all these posts and you're annoying everybody. Yeah. But it's like if they're into other things, it breaks it down little by little to it feeds it out properly. So the it's, point is to create as much content. It's smart and that's good to know. I think ideally, here's the deal. So I have a full-time job in addition to this, which is a lot because now I'm putting in 14 hours a day between both. Um, I would like to do LA in a minute full time. And if that were the case, not to, uh, harken back to Mulholland, but the floodgates would open and I could put out a ton of content, (laughs) but I really, honestly, there's so much to cover. I think the magic number is five posts per week, five to seven per week. But I just feel like there is so much to get to because again, I haven't even really focused on individuals yet. And obviously Los Angeles, the the hub of celebrity culture, whatever you want to call it. I mean, that in itself could be its own feed, but there's so many intriguing people that either came to or came from Los Angeles, but aside from the places and the stories, but going back, just one more thing I do want to address. The ones I kind of love the most that are, that are, I guess the most fun for me are things like I recently did one on Angelino, where I kind of, I personally don't like that term, but everybody, a lot of people say it. So is what's the history of it? And is it Angelino, Angel Eno? Is it Angel Ieno? Um, or is it Angeleno, which is actually what they say the real term is. Um, and then there's like Angelian. So these quirky ones, or I don't know if you noticed the utility boxes on the, uh, on the side of the road. I noticed these things popping up like for the last few years where they're painted. Sometimes it'll be Kobe Bryant on this random like box near a traffic light. Sometimes it'll be butterflies. Sometimes it'll be uh, an abstract piece of art. And I was like, so who's painting all these? It's nice. It's neighborhood beautification, but is it a, um, is it a gorilla type approach? Is it something the city? Is it a felony? Is it something? (laughs) Right, right. Or is it something the city sanctions? So I look into that um, palm trees, palm trees are the symbol of Los Angeles. They're on the in and out cup. They're on my logo. They're on this right here. But guess what? Palm trees aren't native to Los Angeles. No. What? Like how, how is that possible that palm tree became so synonymous with LA? And again, furthermore, I thought, I thought they were born in Beverly Hills, right? <laughs> and they're beautiful and they're a symbol of our city. And here's another thing. Palm trees suck up so much water and they require so much water. And then we're in the midst and of this 1200 year drought, you know, and it's Which like, makes sense. Cause Florida has all these fucking, you know, 
rainstorms and tropical storms that it feeds all the the, the and that's trees, that's where these, they come from places like that mexico morocco places that are like at least have a tropical or at least tropical weather yeah. more um rain oriented climate but here they are all over los angeles so what's the story why did they get here in the first place it turns out that during the uh great depression part of the public works project was let's beautify the city the olympics were coming in 1932 um, they planted 35,000 palm trees in the span of a year all throughout LA. And that's kind of my joke. Whether you live in Compton or Porter Ranch or San Pedro, you could go outside right now and probably find a palm tree. You could see a palm tree wherever you are. You could, you could do a Corona commercial. And then, <laughs> no matter where you live in LA, you can make a Corona commercial. And they, but they're not even from here. And then it's like, I have one on squirrels, squirrels. Which you don't even mosquito ones. That that was a good one too. That that one was fun. Squirrels aren't from Los. I think this is interesting. Squirrels are not native to Los Angeles. There's a type of squirrel that's native to Los Angeles, but they live in the mountains, and we wouldn't see them out here in the suburbs. And they definitely wouldn't steal your oranges from your backyard. But squirrels were brought here by Civil War veterans who came to retire and live out their days at the veterans hospital. And the Civil War, the the people in that type of country part of the country kept the squirrels as pets and or food sources so they brought squirrels with them and then squirrels are prolific um made what's the word when you mate they're, they're very prolific uh regenerated they fuck a lot. Yeah, yes they, yeah. there you go they fuck a lot and have babies and then again like everything else including the people that's not native to los angeles this climate is adaptable to everybody and to everything. And once you're here, you love it. And you're like, yeah, this is my home. This is my, So squirrels like that, the mosquitoes, those are the ones I kind of love where it's something that well, people... What, what about, what about, sorry for cutting you no, off, no, no. but what about, what is from L.A.? Are the Dodgers you know from what's, LA? You know, no, the Dodgers are I not. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny stat about the Dodgers. And I love the Dodgers, heart and soul. It's my first favorite team it's my most favorite team i know the grammar's terrible but they are my favorite team of all the teams every for um one thing that i think of every time now that i go to dodger stadium it's a shame and i'm surprised that there's not a dodger curse we all know what happened in chavez ravine that story's terrible but beyond that there's actually an elementary school buried under the third base uh foul territory dodger stadium what where when they were kicking all those people out of chavez ravine when they're destroying all those houses I, I, I don't know the story the Chavez. oh my no, no, okay I, I, so this is what this is why this, this happened. Out. oh my what, god what are you talking about okay so some people don't want to blame the dodgers directly and that might be true because the city was and when you say Dodgers, like what the, play, the players okay. like, hey, fuck these guys. No, no, these no, players no, suck. Never. They killed elementary students. You know, like, Craig Campbell, why can't yeah. he close the save? No, um, they can't. Okay, so the Dodgers were in Brooklyn. Uh, Peter O'Malley wanted to build a stadium in Brooklyn. If I'm not mistaken, he wanted to build a domed stadium, which at the time was a wild, crazy idea. I'm not sure if there were any domes, um, but the city of Brooklyn fought him on it. He was making backroom deals, uh, looking at other cities. He set his sights on Los Angeles. He came out here, took some secret trips. The mayor of Los Angeles at the time, I think it was before Sam Yorty. I forget who the mayor was, but um, they showed him the Chavez Ravine area, which, as you know now, happens to be a beautiful and perfect area to build a stadium. Yeah. Um, but it also was inhabited by a bunch of Latino families who lived there and had their lives there and had schools there and had infrastructure there. So once the deal was sort of made handshake, the city had been uh, enforcing eminent domain 
and you know, quote unquote, eminent domain is fair because you're getting compensated when they take your land or take whatever. But but there was compensation involved, um, and all of the families except I want to say 28 families had agreed to accept the deal. But these 28 families were like, "This is our land. These are our homes. We're not going to take it." City's like, "Sorry, take it up with the Supreme Court. It's eminent domain. You either take the deal or we're taking your house anyway." Yeah. So there was this huge, like, and there's these pictures of the struggle where police and authorities were literally dragging people out of their homes, bulldozers just bulldozing their homes and all this kind of stuff. Savage. Yeah, totally savage. And that's kind of the roots of, like, how and why Dodger Stadium was built. And it's, it's, I do address that in my... um, uh, history of Dodger Stadium piece. And there's also a book by somebody named Eric Nussbaum called Stealing Home. Great title that, wow, that gets into that. Great title. And here's what's funny, and I'm going to get back to elementary school, but now the Dodgers have such a proud um, Latino fan base, right? And that is attributable to Fernando Valenzuela uh, in the early 80s. But prior to that, they were shunned uh, by that demographic because community. of what they did. Um, and kicking those people out of their homes, and it was this proud community. But in that process, after they kicked people out of the homes and they were leveling the land, demolishing all the buildings, there was a uh, elementary school. I want to say it was called Palo Alto Elementary School. Don't quote me on that, but something along those lines. Um, and instead of, I guess, demolishing it, they just built over it. They buried it and built over it and leveled on top of it. So to this day, there's a complete elementary school buried under the third base foul territory at Dodger Stadium. That's so fucking yeah, wild. which is which is crazy. I mean, history's like uh, it's it's just it's fucked up. But you got to learn from it. Yeah. You know, you, you got to learn yeah. from it. That's all. And and you gotta you gotta teach this because if you don't, it gets repeated. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's what, important what, to know. What what about uh? Do you do any? Because you cover obviously a lot of LA's history is amazing, but do you cover like current stuff? Like you know, like what the fuck's going on at the LAX? Uh, the new construction. Funny, what, I just shot the intro for LAX. I haven't decided. I've been spying what, on you, what, man. what direction I want to go. My eyes over here has been spying. LAX on you. is going to be a fun one, and this doesn't answer your question, but I want to throw out a fun tidbit: Burbank Airport in the 1940s. One of my favorite things about it is it's right there near the studios, right? And Disney is right down the street. In the 1940s, Burbank Airport and Van Nuys were both being used to build uh, airplanes and to to be used for military purposes. Really? They camouflaged the entirety of Burbank Airport. They literally put a net and a canopy and a canvas over the entire Burbank Airport area, and they had the special effects artists from Disney design what look what would look like wow. a landscape from above. So when plane when spy planes would fly over, they thought that it was just you know natural valley mountain you know hilly land with little homes. I, I, I gotta on it. ask, what spy planes? What 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 were they worried? World War Two? Yes. Well, sorry, sorry, World War Two, yeah, yeah. exactly. But so they camouflage the entire airport. So LAX, do I cover modern issues? It's funny, right? So truthfully, two of the issue, two of the because you only work fourteen hours a day. I mean, that includes our regular what job. Do you just do for the record, for the rest of the day. <laughs> so two of the modern things that I desperately want to cover, and I know they're going to be controversial because even when I touch on these subjects, I get comments, but I don't mind it. I like it. I think it's important, and I feel like. I'm factual and down the middle. I don't try to like take a stance on stuff. I just want to tell facts and history. 
But I want to talk about the police and I want to talk about the homeless situation. And Huge. both of those are going to be hot button issues, right? And yeah, I but, can imagine the comments are going to be out of control. But it's important because it's part of our city, right? And I know this, right? Especially with the LAPD, everybody has a strong opinion. Um, I Rampart. I of course. And there's been a lot of transgressions. Go back to the uprising in 92, Daryl Gates, the history of racism with the LAPD. Burbank, how racist they were. But at the same time, you have to recognize, like, that's a difficult vocation. And, like, the, the LAPD... I'm not going to be out here, you know, wearing a badge, let's just say. But there, there are, I don't even want to say two sides, but the LAPD is a necessary part of our community and policing is, is important. However you look at it, I feel that like the story of LAPD dovetails with Los Angeles's development, however you want to play it. And the way I have to tell that story, I mean, again, I'm going to be sensitive but honest on that narrative um because whether or not you like it that that's an important part of the history of los angeles and with the homeless situation how did it get out of control i mean do i honestly do i love having homeless people on literally sleeping on my property no not really i don't i know they're people i know that it's important to have compassion um but it's more so it's like what what happened why did it get like this because Let's be honest, I'm, I don't have my head in the sand. You drive around Los Angeles, any part of the city now, uh, except Beverly Hills, because they are ruthless to the homeless people. But, dude, near the Brentwood, v, I mean, near the VA in Brentwood, there's encampments. Studio City, there's encampments. Burbank, I started seeing them in Burbank, and so Burbank's called, strict, too. Burbank's very strict. I was like, what? But So it's like, what happened? Where do we get that? And it starts with Skid Row, because Skid Row was actually set aside for the homeless as this designated area back in the middle of the 20th century. And then obviously kind of uh, goes out from there. But yes, I do love to call um, uh, cover relevant issues. And one thing that I want to tease is I am going to have a one-on-one -on -one with both Bass and Caruso before the uh, mayoral election. That's so, awesome. so again, I'm going to, I'm not, planning on being hardcore. I'm not going to grill anybody. They have enough of that. But my angle is this, right? You're going to be the mayor of Los Angeles, whichever candidate it is. What do you love about LA? What is it about LA? What are your LA memories? And those are things that I think are important. Like, of course, they're going to pay lips. They're all oh, the, the homeless. We need to take care of it, but we need to be compassionate or like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to hear that. We can watch the debates. We can read the stories, the PR that they put out. But I want to know, are you really LA? What are, what connects you with LA? I want to be the mayor. Yeah. Caruso's developer. Bass has done a lot of work uh, for the city, uh, social work slash uh, public service for the city for decades. So they both are, you know, proud Los Angeles natives, but I want to know what you love about LA and get the feel and the personal angle of what is it about Los Angeles that makes you want to be mayor other than, are you just in it for the power and the title? So yeah, I cover I cover issues and whatever comes up that interests me, I want to look into and I'm intrigued like with news and stuff like that. Yeah. What What about uh? I, I, this is kind of random. I read a case study a while back ago, and it was a it was a famous restaurant. I believe it was in New York, and it started. It it became it was one of the most popular restaurants ever, but then it started getting a little fucked up. Yeah. So the owner went and hired a a company to come and review and see what the hell's been going on. And they concluded like, you know, oh, tr you know, the food menu or the prices or this or the quality changed this. 
And, and the owner knew that wasn't the problem. So then they brought in another agency to come and do the research. And they said, uh, okay, we're gonna, our, our research is going to take six months. And uh, we're also going to need your, any security cameras and videos from previous times, you know, from like the 90s, 80s, et cetera. And he goes, yeah, I have them all. Wow. Anyway, so they did the research. And the conclusion was the food, the chefs, the service is exactly the same. The issue was the clientele changed. And how did the clientele change? The clientele now is on their phone. Oh, boy. The, the average time in the 80s when you ordered food, back then, within, within two to three minutes, people were ordering a drink. Within five to ten minutes, they were ordering food. And, and the turnaround, the whole process was probably like 70 minutes, you know? Okay. Now it's like it's 15 minutes before anybody orders because people are checking and updating and checking in and doing this. And that. So the conclusion was it was the people. It wasn't necessarily the restaurant. Okay. My question is, have you ever done, like, any research on Los Angeles on – or, or is there a trend of what you see more or less, you know, of, of what's going on in L.A.? Well, L.A., so... Two, Diverse. Two things. One, you asked me a question that I ignored. I didn't intentionally ignore it, but yeah. I, did, I didn't address <laughs> what it. What a dick. Earlier. Shows him, yeah. Is there anything that comes from L.A.? Hell yes. The Tongvin and Gabrielino people come from Los Angeles, and those are the native people of Los Angeles, and they're still here. And I didn't know this, but there's something called Tongva Park in Santa Monica, which I haven't looked into yet as far as like was that did it actually have something to do with Tongva, but it's nice that there's something to at least recognize that. Um, but subsequent to that, when those people were conquered literally by the Spanish explorers and eventually became Mexico, LA has been a predominantly Mexican city. Like it just has since the beginning. You go back to the 1870s, you look at the population, you look at the demographics. Um, and yes, it changes and there are evolutions. But again, going back to that immigration point, and I actually have a piece coming out today, <laughs> truthfully called How Diverse is LA? Hint, really, like extremely diverse. But Los Angeles has more Mexicans than any city outside of Mexico, more Salvadorians than any city outside of El Salvador, more Thai people than any city outside of Thailand, more Australians than any city outside of Australia, more Eritreans than any city outside of Eritrea, more Koreans than any city outside of Armenians. Korea, Armenians, any city outside of Armenia. And those are all in the piece. And it's like, dude, like. Of course, the city keeps evolving, and it's funny, this concept of quote-unquote white flight, um, which is real, but you look at the demographics, and it's always going to be evolving, and that's just what makes LA what it is, and the people are the lifeblood of this city, and again, I, I want to say something, I'm going to repeat exactly what I said earlier, yes, there's racism, and there are assholes, but I feel like this city, whatever it is, the weather, whatever, we integrate better than any other state. It's not perfect. I know that. I, I'm not being naive, but I feel just like Los Angeles lends itself to being a more integrated city than anywhere else, at least that I've been and that I've seen. And so, I mean... Where, where have you traveled to? Oh, you went to China. So I went to China. What uh, city in China? So I was in Shenzhen, Suzhou, Hong Kong, uh, and Beijing in China, and Shanghai in China. Um, this was in 2000. Um, been to Spain. My wife studied in um, Salamanca, which is an amazing, charming, awesome college town. But we went to Madrid while we were there. France, Italy, Canada, obviously. And then every year we try to go to Mexico. My wife's from Mexico. Um, she's from a town called Juanusco in uh, the state of Zacatecas. 
And um, first of all, with our son, who's obviously half Mexican. ¿Hablas um, español? Sí, hablo español. Mucho, poquito. Um, probablemente um, más que pequeño, pero no soy um, bilingüe uh, totalmente, pero yo pienso que puedo um, tener una, convers conversación. una conversación. Mi acento es terrible. Mi acento muy es gringo, ter muy gringo. Terrible, sí. <risa> Pero, Pero um, yo traté uh, muy duro a uh, aprender porque cuando um, yo pide a la papá de mi esposa. Cuando, cuando uh, pediste la mano. Para casa. Sí. Um, I was like, yo voy a aprender español porque queremos um, crecer nuestro niño um, bilingüe. And he was like, mm, sure, sure, sí, sure. Sí, sí, And sí. then para los uh, principios uh, seis, siete años... Yo estudié un poco, pero cuando mi esposa um, estuvo embarazada, then I was like, okay, ahora oh. necesito ser muy serio. Y um, yo hice Duolingo, Rosetta Stone, Pimsleur, pero, pero cuando um, viajando a México es cuando uh, aprendí lo yeah. mismo y practiqué mucho y aprendí... Um, lo más. So. Muy bien, muy bien, Gracias. caballero. Y yo, yo sé, necesito aprender. A practicar. Yeah. No, todo es práctica, por supuesto. Yeah, so. But, you, you but your past, you know, cerveza, tacos, <laughs> Antonio Banderas, quesadilla. But that's, and then in, in this city, Los Angeles, that's the thing. You're exposed to it. And again, I never realized it. Growing up in Sepulveda, playing baseball in San Fernando, right. the damn city, Los, Los, Los Angeles, Angeles, like yeah. everything is in Spanish, but you don't realize and you People don't... People say Vallejo, Vallejo, <laughs> you know, like San Francisco, the, the whole state. Well, again, so that was the piece with uh -oh. Angelino and Angelino. Well, it's like, no, it's Los Angeleno. Or is it? Or is it, ¿Quién though? Sabe? Nadie sabe. Yeah, so... <laughs> Yo again. no sé. Yeah. But yeah, so we try to go to Mexico every year, and we try to go to a different city or state. Uh, again, Juan News goes where she's from and that's like the heart and soul because we want our son to you know know well she's sorry she's from los angeles but her family is from Juanusco in zacateca so that's like the one that's closest to our heart but we travel to mexico all the time that's amazing but we've been we've been a few places so yeah mexico mexico's fun yeah mexico's fun china's bad was in shenzhen guangzhou really yeah. okay okay i went to pepperdine so we did our international pepperdine trip over there it's beautiful you know the history on pepperdine the barely the, the malibu miracle no yeah so pepperdine was over here uh in la okay. and then there was somebody that owned the hill uh, where pepperdine is located now and he donated it to the university because he thought a nice university should have a nice land, and they called it the Malibu Miracle. So and beautiful. Pepperdine is the number one most beautiful campus in the world and top 20 business school. Absolutely. Yeah. Absol yeah. My brother-in-law and sister-in-law have their uh, graduate degrees from there. Nice. So, but, um, no, I haven't done the research because dun, I'm, a, dun, dun. I'm a UCLA alum, and next week, because, because UCLA is on the quarter system. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I'm, UCLA finally starts classes next week, which, by the way, when I went there, I loved not starting classes until late September as opposed to kids now starting August, which I can't even fathom. But um, I'm doing history of UCLA first. That's going to be the first university that I do. That's going to be awesome. And then I'll get into USC, uh, Pepperdine, Occidental, all that kind of stuff. Looking forward to that. And yeah. I know you're tight on time. I want to ask you, you know L.A. so well. Uh, we just went through this pandemic. 
what what has LA lost during the pandemic that you, that really you're like fuck man like why did we lose that or wow now that's a question I'll tell you what I did do which answers one of your earlier questions also I did do a two year timeline of COVID in Los Angeles um, back in like April or something but what did LA lose you know now I feel like we are retaining um, what we had previously I was really afraid of what we would lose especially as it was happening i work on ventura boulevard which by the way is the longest contiguous stretch of businesses in the world just as a fact ventura boulevard thank you um but I, but there were businesses shutting down left and right and I'm, I, obviously that was happening everywhere but i was really worried that you know la was going through this phase where finally we're escaping or, or we were breaking out of that, um, not even second tier city, but but the bigger cities weren't really allowing us to be considered elite. But it was finally, we're finally breaking through in the sense of like as a food city, uh, Bon Appetit and food and wine were like most exciting food city, Los Angeles. And even though we knew that because we have all the different ethnicities and the different types of cuisines. And it's all about the strip mall places and not necessarily the nice restaurants. But finally people were recognizing that I was worried that that kind of stuff was going to fall by the wayside. But to your point, I, I, from a non LA perspective, just everything that was happening during COVID was concerning because I feel that personal interaction is so important at Los Angeles because it's so car based inherently as it is now now you're having another reason not to be interacting with people and it says and it's like what makes los angeles so special if everybody's going to be working from home and afraid to go out and not doing things everything that makes la special could have just fallen by the wayside but honestly now especially when you see how traffic is in the last like couple months i'm like okay it's back we're, we're back to yeah normal. we're back to normal yeah. with it and and do you have you seen have you seen or what's your research if any on uh people actually leaving california and la are, are you oh. is that real or, or is there like a good blend of i hated that people i kept hearing that and people and and this is what i mean about other cities and states people love dunking on los angeles and spiking the football aha california and your taxes oh you're homeless and all this and maybe all that stuff is true it is and then when people were leaving they were just loving it yeah that's right we're going to austin and idaho and places like that and at the end of the day i'm like and look i love austin i've went to a bachelor party there i went there with my wife separately it's a great city but i'm like Go hang out in Austin in July and August and tell me that, like, yeah, you can go to Lake Travis. That's cool. It's fun. But L.A., I always kind of think that the people who leave Los Angeles are leaving a lot behind, right? You're leaving Los Angeles and you're going to look, you're going to get a bigger house for less money and you're going to have less homeless people and it's going to be, you know, well, Austin's uh, homeless people is pretty bad right now, too. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Okay. And I'm not, and by the way, I'm not picking we're, on we're, Austin we're not, or, yeah, yeah, or no, just no. talking about. We're definitely picking but on Austin. Anybody lives <laughs> Everybody what was that stupid billboard they put up? Which one? I know there's oh, it was like so bad. Weird, I, I, I hate saying it, but it was like, uh, uh, "Don't move to Texas." What you didn't hear that? No. So there was there was a there was a billboard in Los Angeles Wait. that said, "Don't move to Texas." The Texas Dream died in Uvalde. That I did see that. That was recent. Yeah, yeah that was recent. Like, oh, two that's weeks terrible. Ago. That's yeah. Hurtful. I don't know who paid for that, but that was fucking terrible. But so I think this. Oh, Texas is gonna get mad at us. So the uh, we love Texas. The <laughs> narrative was true. 
People were leaving Los Angeles, leaving California. But I was on one of two things. One, you're going to come back because there is nothing like, and this is why the film industry thrived here, and this is why people love it, mountains, deserts, beaches, lakes, river, whatever type Snow, of climate, yeah. atmosphere, whatever you want to do, Los Angeles has it, not just within a day's drive, but within an hour's drive. And I don't hours, know hours, how, many, how many cities on the globe have that. Um, but also, if you're leaving L.A., and you're ready to just go to Olive Garden on your birthdays and shut it down and never be out after 10 o'clock ever under any circumstances. If that's cool and that's and you just want to watch TV and like live your life in your house, then cool. That's your prerogative. That's not what L.A. is about. And the numbers were true. You know, California was the state where most people left like during the pandemic. But so it was real. It was real. Yeah. But guess what? Guess what? We're also going to have the most people coming in. And now that COVID's over, it's the same thing. The same magnets that drew people for the last 150 years are still here. It's the promise of being Los Angeles. It is the climate. It is the people. It is the the bevy of activities that we have to do. Um, but there's just something about Los Angeles that is magic. And it's going to continue drawing people. We have so many examples of the American dream. I mean, Porto's. Uh, King Taco, um, Tapatio, all these companies, every all these places were able to thrive in Los Angeles because you have both your culture but an openness to other cultures here that it's like if you have a good idea, you have some gumption and you have conviction, you can succeed. Um, and can you say that about everywhere? Yes, but you can't do it in this beautiful sunshine 300 plus days a year. That's right. That's right. Uh, I, I'm just making this up right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to shoot. Fuck it. I'm going to see if I can even do this, but I'm going to shoot a word to you. Yeah. And you just whatever comes to mind. Okay. Best taco. <sighs> I know there's a million, but just, we're just one. Just. Oh man. So, Best taco. So, just whatever comes so to mind. So there's a place, there's a taco truck on uh, Burbank, just west of Van Nuys on the north side. And I feel like it's called Tacos La Fonda. I, I, would love to plug them, but it's on Burbank on the north side of Van Nuys Boulevard. That's our favorite when we go get tacos. Best burger. This is a good one because there's so many. Okay. I know people love Apple Pan. That's a classic one. It's good. Apple Pan? Apple Pan in Santa Monica. Like it's on Santa Monica and like Westwood. It's a classic like burger stand. But look, here's the truth for me. I'll eat in and out once every two weeks and absolutely love it. But a couple times a year, you get me a Tommy's chili cheeseburger with chili cheese fries. And I don't think I'm happier than with that hamburger, to tell you the absolute truth. Awesome. Yeah. Favorite Thai? Uh, Jitlada. Jitlada is awesome. Absolutely. Favorite Although Anajok Thai in Sherman Oaks, just one, rest one restaurant of the year, but for the LA Times, uh, Justin is the chef, took it over from his parents, and that place is awesome, and he is an awesome guy, and they're coming up, uh, but Jitlada is the legendary spot. Favorite sushi? Oh, sushi row, and by the way, <laughs> so sushi, <laughs> right sushi row on Ventura Boulevard has the highest concentration of, re of sushi restaurants in the world outside of Japan. That is substantiated. I did an episode on that. Our favorite right now, look, the original Katsuya, I don't want to sound cliche, and the other Katsuyas that are in the Katsuya group are different, but the original Katsuya, I feel like, has, like, the best fish. However, 
there's Studio Sushi right here, which is actually a little bit off of Ventura that we love. So, I mean, right now, I'd say that that's our go-to spot. That's your go-to? Yeah. yeah. Uh, favorite pizza? That's hard. But it pizza. is hard. I love a place called Santino's. Um, which serves Neapolitan square thin, and that's a really good pizza. Although I hear things about this Prince Street, um, I tried that uh, Pizzana. Oh, yeah, Prince Street, they're opening it here now. Yeah, right? but it's not open yet, right? No, it's opening, and then like Pizzana open, and they're they're all good. But for me, I like Santino's Neapolitan Square. Favorite ice cream? Ice cream is a good one. Okay, I'm weird with my ice cream in the sense. I like peanut butter chocolate. I'm a peanut butter monster, by the way. And yeah, I'm down with that. This is going to sound like an exaggeration. I go through 16 ounces of peanut butter a week. It's That's one of my crazy. favorite snacks. I put it in stuff. It's a lot of people think it's excessive, and it probably is. But I like peanut butter chocolate ice cream. Thrifty used to have a great peanut butter chocolate ice cream. haagen used to have a good peanut butter chocolate ice cream. But what I'll just do now is get ice cream and literally add scoops of peanut butter to it. Um, if you want to ask what my favorite is... I'm a Baskin Robbins guy, also from L.A., um, Burt Baskin and Irv Robbins, brothers-in-law that used to each own independent ice cream stores in Glendale and Pasadena, and then they merged them into Baskin Robbins 31 Flavors, and I kind of love that story. And by the way, uh, Irv Robbins had a pool in his backyard in Encino shaped like an ice cream cone. That's insane. And then last question. Uh, let's pretend I have some friends that are coming this weekend. Oh. What would what should I recommend them to do Saturday, all day Saturday and Sunday? What would be a perfect weekend for this is the, This is the most difficult question ever. And I've thought about <laughs> this way before I had this feed because you have friends in town. Los Angeles is not the kind of city that you could spend a weekend in. Because you go somewhere, you get trapped, and that's your day, right? So everybody's like, I want to go to Disneyland. I want to go to the beach. Oh, I want to see your downtown. Like, well, sorry to tell you, but you can't do that all in one day. So I always put it like this. If you come to L.A., come for a week. You need a day in the South Bay. You need a day on the East Side. You need a day downtown. You need a day on the West Side. And you need a day in the Valley. That's the truth. What do you need to do if you really need to do something? Take it. And if you're in for a short time, Hit the food trucks, hit the small restaurant. Don't go out of your way to go to these fancy places. Make sure you're eating, you're hungry, have one or two items at these little spots, but go to the beach, go to a Dodger game. You really want to get to know LA, go to a Dodger game, go to the beach, um, hit Jit Lot on your way back, but hit the food trucks, hit the taco trucks, and just be around the people, man. Like what makes Los Angeles so awesome again is wherever you are, downtown, South Bay, Valley, like you're just seeing all these people and it's it's just an awesome place to be and it's the vibe. And again, with that weather, you know, the sunshine makes everything a little bit happier. People are more relaxed and it's just enjoy the people and you know what you need to do? Make sure you have a car. Rent a car Rent and a car. drive around and see as, whether it's Hollywood, Griffith Park, Venice Beach. Um, go see that new bridge. Go see the 6th Street, Street Viaduct. I'll tell you this. I was like, yeah, I'll see it. Maybe I'll go see it, whatever. You know, eventually I'll see it. We went, and I was mind blown. I was like, that thing is awesome. Go see that bridge. Do, go check out the bike shed, too. I just took them to the bike shed. It's a new motorcycle club. They started in London. They opened during the pandemic. They finally opened it. It's at the entrance of the 6th Street. So when you yeah. go when you go over the sixth street from Boyle Heights and you yeah. go in, you're gonna you're gonna make a left on right in front of like the LA gun gun club. Yeah. You make a left and then on the right you're gonna see this motorcycle club, coolest spot in the world. 
Maybe one day if we plan it right, I can show you even the VIP sections and stuff. That's, but, that's, and to that point, honestly, the Bob's Big Boy on Friday nights, that was really cool. The classic cars and Jay Leno was there sometimes, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Um, and by the way, and all the celebrities you run into in LA. No, this is never ending. <laughs> especially, it's true. And I do want to give a shout out to King Taco. I know sometimes Taco. their tacos are polarizing. The legendary Jonathan Gold, the only the only food writer ever to win a Pulitzer, LA Times, formerly LA Weekly, um, formerly Rolling Stone. Um, and he says that King Taco's tacos are actually a solid B, which may be accurate, but King Taco deserves a special mention. Because the founder of King Taco, Raul Martinez, was known as the first taquero uh, in Los Angeles and United States history. And every taco truck and food truck, including Roy, Tro Roy, Tro Roy Choi of Kogi, which, by the way, you should also go check out, owe their livelihood to King Taco and Raul Martinez. Because that is also an American dream come true. And King Taco, are their tacos the absolute best? No, they're serviceable. But when you're eating it, you're like, yo, I owe debt of gratitude to these guys for all this food that I've enjoyed from other places in recent years. Evan, thank you so much. Close this out like you closed out your uh, channel. <laughs> all right, LA. Um, <laughs> what's up? Yo, what's up? This is your LA in a Minute I'm here with Robert Valderrama on Ride Boundless, and we're going to get into, well, we've just gotten into <laughs> some interesting stories about Los Angeles. I hope you have enjoyed the uh, hour plus that we've spent here. Go get your car, drive around Los Angeles, eat, enjoy the weather, enjoy the people, because this is the greatest city on the planet. All right, LA, it's been a minute. Oof.